Hello, I'm Ted Simon. Welcome to the BMW Motora podcast. I've ridden a BMW around the world, and I'm very um, happy to be talking to you and to be here with Andy. Greetings, everyone. Andy Dukes here. Have we got something special for you on Ride and Talk today? In October 1973, 42-year-old Ted Simon left London to ride a motorcycle around the world. 125,000 kilometres, and four years later, he made it back home. The extraordinary account of his journey was published, and Jupiter's travels became an international bestseller. Never in his wildest dreams did Ted think that he would be setting off on that same journey many years later, at the age of 70. But he did, and he rode nearly 100,000 kilometres through 48 countries in two and a half years on a BMW R80 GS Basic. Ted survived two bone-breaking accidents and experienced increased poverty, political upheavals and environmental changes. He told the story of this second incredible journey in his book called Dreaming of Jupiter. He's a true legend, and he's inspired many of our epic adventures, including Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman's original Long Way Round, among countless others. Ted celebrates his 90th birthday on the 1st of May, and seldom gives interviews these days. However, I managed to track him down a couple of years ago, and have been saving his podcast for this special occasion. I hope you enjoy listening to his words of wisdom, and that he also inspires you to dream big, and realise that surprising and exciting adventures can be found at any age. So welcome, Ted. It's a privilege to have you on the BMW Motorrad podcast. Thank you very much. The original book's now been in print for how many years? Well, amazingly enough, for 40 years. Yeah, yeah. I think the uh, first edition came out in 49, and uh, so 40 years anniversary. Fantastic. Mm. You must be really proud about that. Well, I'm very surprised, you know. It's... um, I am proud, yes. I'm, uh, I, I'm very... I'm very proud of the fact that it's being read by young people. Um, it's not just nostalgic stuff. Um, it seems to have crossed the generations rather well. And I think that's mainly because it's not so much about motorcycles, but it's about the world and travel and experience in the world and the meaning of the world. And I guess that must still be a subject that intrigues people and, and worries them and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty to worry about, so maybe that's the reason. Yeah. Has it also been translated into other languages? Yes, um, not as many as I'd like, um, because it is 40 years ago. At that time, most books of any with any success were translated into the main European languages. So it is in it's been in French, German, Spanish, Italian, and Dutch. Um, but not in any of the uh, more distant languages. Nowadays, it would have, if it were being published tomorrow with the same amount of success, it would certainly be in Chinese and Japanese and uh, probably several other languages. And have you got any idea how many copies have been sold roughly to date? That's another question I really don't know very well. I mean, I can only make a stab at it. And I suppose it's uh, somewhere between a quarter and half a million, but that's about all I can really say, yeah. Fantastic. Now, you're still giving talks and travel presentations at the tender age of 88. 
so you mu- you must really enjoy storytelling and, and being able to inspire others to think about what could be their own adventures. Well, I, I yes, I don't mind. I, I'm I'm getting a. Um, it's harder and harder for me to talk about it all, because I've talked about it all so much. Um, I I do it because I like being at uh, at the events that I go to, and uh, it's it's uh, the price I pay for going there. But once I get going, people seem to be happy enough to listen to me. So you were 42 when you left London and set off on your original motorcycle odyssey. If you could turn back the clock to October 1973, would you do anything differently? Perhaps I would have preferred that the Israeli, that the, the Egyptians had not attacked the Israelis on the day that I left. But um, on the other hand, that added a lot of spice to the story. So no, I can't think of anything I'd like to, to have been different. I think there's something amazing about waking up every morning and not knowing where you're going to sleep that night, though. Right from the beginning, I was um, ready to sleep anywhere on anything in any way possible. So I was quite happy to sleep on the ground next to the bike and did do that quite, quite a number of times when there wasn't really anywhere to go. So you consider yourself a writer first and a motorcyclist second? Yes, what a fantastic mode of transport it is to, to enable adventures and, and offer the chance to connect with people. I think, that, I think that's right. I mean, uh, I think the cleverest thing I did was to think of doing it that way. I wanted to get out. I wanted to see as much of the world as possible. And, uh, and I thought about all the other possible ways of doing it. And the bike, the bike seemed to be the most economical one, the one that I could most easily afford and... and um, and I, I had no doubt that I'd be able to ride the bike. I, it never, I, I honestly never thought about the difficulties that there might have, that there might be. I suppose it would have made sense for me to have had some instruction on on how to ride the bike across sand, for example. Um, that was always a, um, a, a real bugbear dealing with soft sand and uh, and and mud i think it was uh, elspeth beard who told me that y- you know you never know what you're capable of unless you step well outside of your comfort zone and, and whether you think about that as in in terms of travel in general or, or riding across sand um you can you can learn a lot more by really going outside of your comfort zone, certainly learn a lot more about yourself. Would, would you agree with her on that point? Well, I think that's been said a thousand times, I'm sure, and of course it's true. The thing that made that journey exceptional um, in, in my life was that it, uh, it required me to raise my consciousness and my, uh, and my energy and my attitude to um, a higher level of, um, than, than it had ever been before. And, and, and it's, it is that enhancement of, um, of, of, the, of the spirit that, that actually makes the whole thing so exciting and so, um, and so persuasive too, in, this, in the sense you understand so much more than, than you normally do because everything is on the edge and your appreciation of, of the things around you and your perception of the people that you meet is all raised to a higher level than it normally is so that you become really 
um, really become a kind of temporary superman or superwoman if you're Elspeth. Um, and it um, and and that's why that's why I was able to hold on to that journey in my mind for four years, um, which I couldn't do now. I couldn't do in normal circumstances. Um, I could remember at the end of the journey where I had slept every single night for four years. I could um, do that, literally do that, and that's that is way beyond my normal ability as. A, in terms of memory, um, certainly today, I can't remember where I was a week ago. Usually, anyway, it was. It, it's. It certainly does raise you to a different level and and equips you to meet problems and uh, and uh, and circumstances in a in a much more uh, dynamic way. Do you feel lucky? To have experienced the life you've lived and, and, and seen the things that you've seen. Absolutely, yes. I feel very fortunate. I feel very lucky to be alive. Um, not just because I'm already older than many people manage to get to, but I, um, but because uh, because I've done so many things and uh, been able to do so many things. Very feel very fortunate. Fortunate's definitely a better word than lucky. Um, but it, but if life is a gift, why why do so many people waste it doing mundane things? I think it's very sad. I think it's because uh, there's a, there's a poverty of aspiration at the beginning of their of, of their lives, and there's a tendency um, for them to be dragged one way or another into um, commitments that that they, that I wish that I managed to avoid. Um, Usually because of marriage, usually uh, marriage, uh, having to satisfy somebody else's ambitions rather than your own, involves um, buying a house, involves mortgages and, and, and car payments. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, once you get into, once you start getting into that, then, then you, you do a lot of things simply to compensate yourself for the restrictions that they bring. And then you, so then you get dogs and you have children. And, uh, um, and, and uh, you know, while many people um, enjoy that life and, it's very, and it suits them very well, uh, it certainly wouldn't have suited me. And I think a lot of people are very unhappy because they find themselves simply working for retirement and a pension. I think um, I think it's a. I think we're not told enough at the beginning of our lives um, uh, about what uh, what life can offer and what you need to do to avoid being stuck. You know, this um, business of um, overheads and commitments is uh, it, it's a very important subject that that's never dealt with. In uh, certainly not by schools, not by, not by parents. You know, people have to find these things out. And you've no plans to retire, have you? No, well, I can't. <laughs> I think it's important to have a curiosity, uh, you know, an understanding about the world and its people. What do you feel that travel has taught you most? Well, it's taught it's taught me that I uh, not to be afraid of the world. Um. It's uh, it's really lovely to be in a situation where you can say, well, what can they do to me? You know, um, 
I've been around the world on a motorcycle. What can they do to me? <laughs> it was a kind of a, a liberation, really, um, feeling that um, um, you, you know that I that 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 it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I mean, I was fully prepared to 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 be killed on that journey. I'd never heard of anybody going around the world on a motorcycle, nor did, nor, nor, did, nor did I know anybody who, thought, who had, and, um, because there was no Google, you know, there was no uh, ready source of information. So as far as I was concerned, the whole thing was uh, a, a desperate adventure. I had no idea whether I could survive it. Um, so to have to have done it and survived it is, was almost enough, and everything after that was a bonus to me. To hear you just refer to it then as a desperate adventure is—is is there a certain amount of feeling that perhaps you got away with one when you reflect back? There is a bit of that, but at the same time, what I what I did learn uh, was that it's a whole lot easier than I'd ever imagined at the beginning, and that on the whole. Um, Fate is um, tends to be on your side, you know. I think the world is on my side, uh, which um, simply means that I belong to it. You know, I'm, I'm not at odds with the world. The world is likely to work with me rather than against me, as long as I don't, as long as I have something of the right attitude, and that's not an easy one to explain. But a lot of people get into trouble on journeys like the one I made because they're antipathetic to 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 the the way the world treats them their their reactions um, to people who get in the way are, are wrong they they can't ride with the with with the punches you know um, they um, or they assume they assume a, a natural right uh, when there is no such thing as a natural right, especially at borders, um, get very annoyed with functionaries who don't really want telling to do with them. Um, look here, my man, that sort of thing, you know, uh, gets into trouble. Um, so, yeah. And then there are those who are actually really looking for a fight. You know, there are people who have that attitude of wanting to provoke something so that uh, maybe so they've got some of these stories to tell. Or... It's a state of mind, isn't it? It's a state of mind and how you see the world and, and how you want to be seen in the world that's going to affect that whole travel experience. Absolutely. I mean, it is, I think it's important to go into the world as a pilgrim, you know, with, with humility, not, um, not as a conqueror. I remember reading uh, one of your books and you were saying that quite often you know, accidents or adversity, um, they can often bring out the best, the most memorable encounters and experiences with other people. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're in a little bit of trouble, that's when you find where the good is in the world. Can you remember a good example of that happening to you? Difficult situations, accidents, adversity, often leading to marvellous encounters and experiences? Well, all my accidents were very fortunate. I mean, I've always... Um uh, I've always been very pleased uh, to to notice that even when I've broken bones, and that was mainly on the second journey, not the first one, um, that uh, 
that people rise to the occasion and and help you and you meet people that you would never otherwise meet. Um, in the on the first journey, it was more often something like running out of petrol in strange places or more. Uh, um, uh, or, or bits falling off the bike or something, but uh, generally, generally it is. Um, it it would be a very boring business if you didn't have accidents or interruptions, and that's why I've always said the interruptions really are the journey. It's what happens when you're in trouble, and when you're in trouble, people go out of their way to help. Generally speaking, I mean I. I think the I think the nastiest accident I had was in the, on the second journey in Medellin in Colombia, when I made a very foolish, very foolish move and tried to get round a car in front of me that was annoying the hell out of me, and uh, did it at exactly the wrong moment, uh, just as the as the road went to a very sharp left turn, and I went straight into a wall and and should really have, have copped it at that point. But my stuff was all over the road, and I was lying there helpless uh, on on the ground. And um, uh, and in this country, which has known so much violence, and where you would expect people to be, if anything, sort of inured and not bother very much with other people's uh, misfortunes, uh, I, almost immediately I was taken up and and uh, and and saved in every way by. By a family that happened to be going past with two pickups, and uh, and they, and they put, they got me into one, and they got all my stuff up off the road and put it in the in the other one, and took me and my bike to a clinic not very far away, and 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 worried about me afterwards. I mean, uh, you know, sent me emails uh, later on. People people are wonderful, actually, and they really do like helping. Did you ever keep in contact with any of the people who really helped you? I guess, you know, on the second journey, it was a lot easier to, to say thank you uh, than it would have been on the first with email and internet access, obviously. Well, I think some of the best experiences I had were finding the people that I'd known 28 years earlier on the first journey. I mean, some of them were extraordinary. On my first trip, um, and this again was in Colombia, uh, I was riding from São Paulo to Curitiba, and uh, it involved going over a very high road, um, very heavy traffic, and it was a dreadful day for rain and mist and everything. And I came down into Curitiba like like a rat, like a drowned rat. Um, although the weather in Curitiba when I arrived was quite nice, and sitting in the square where I found myself um, were three boats on shiny Suzukis, and um, and uh, one of them uh, gave me uh, gave me a place to stay. He took me into his house, which was barely furnished because he'd only just started a new career. And uh, and and he offered me a lot of hospitality, and we had a I had a lovely two days there in Curitiba. And at the end of it, he insisted on switching helmets with me, and I didn't want to because I had a nice one, and he he had a heavy um, fiberglass clunker, <laughs> but I had to do it. Um, and uh, and so twenty eight years later, I'm I'm coming through. 
uh, Sao Paulo, and again, and I think, well, you know, I've, I've got a phone number. I might as well see if it works, and it didn't work. Um, and then the fellow who was with me said, well, if you put a two in front of it, it might work. And I did that, and 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 he was on the phone. This It was a terrible line. I couldn't hear anything much other than that he... Um, uh, he had planned to fly to the Amazon the day after, but he was he would postpone the flight if, to to meet me if I could meet him in Curitiba. And so I turned up in Curitiba the next day, uh, and this time the weather was lovely, and we met at a parking spot. And I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw him because when I'd left him twenty eight years earlier, he was a very fat man. And now there was this very th- thin man in in a f- in fancy trousers and a and a dress shirt, pink dress shirt, and bald, um, and <laughs> and he burst into tears. He uh, li- literally burst into tears. He said, "Oh no, no, possible, no possible, impossible. It's impossible." And and uh, and he insisted that I follow his car. He was in a very fancy BMW. We went into the center of Curitiba, where there was a, a very, a very um, expensive condominium that that uh, that we we went up the lift to the penthouse suite. Uh, the doors opened onto his flat, um, and as we entered, he uh, he called for his wife, and uh, Albanera, Albanera, and she came out of the kitchen. Um, with uh, uh, holding a pillow in her hands, and on the pillow was my my helmet that I'd left with them 28 years earlier. That they'd been curating it like a museum piece, you know. It was one of the events that made me realize that when you travel in the way that I did on that first journey, you you leave a mark that's um, much stronger than a, just a. a, a chance encounter because you travel almost like um, an old troubadour like uh, you, you tell stories you bring news from afar you're 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 like the winged bird that comes and flies absolutely yeah that's an incredible story but I'm hoping he didn't ask for his helmet back <laughs> no I, I hung on to my helmet and he kept it um, well, I'd like to know where it is now. He died, unfortunately, not very long after. But that's another story. So what place or country did you never get to that you'd still like to visit, if possible? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, you know, the war was on in Vietnam. I couldn't, I couldn't get to, the, to Southeast Asia. And China was completely out of it. And uh, I have been to Russia since, but even at, th- at that time, Russia, you couldn't go through Russia. So, you know, I mean, people talk about how going around the world and all those countries that I visited, but there are hundreds of countries that I've never seen. And uh, and I'm, yes, I, I have, of course, it wasn't easy to do islands, and there are many islands that Japan would be great. Um, I haven't yet found a way to do it economically if you could change one thing about the world on reflection now what would it be 
Well, it would be a very, very big thing. <laughs> it would be um, to um, get some kind of equality between people um, instead of having this terrible situation of billions of people living on very little and being now, because of the information revolution, completely aware of how little they have by comparison with the West. As much as climate change, which is all part of the story anyway, I think that's what's going to make all our ridiculous pretensions in the West you know, seem irrelevant eventually. So of all the places that you have passed through, where might you have settled if you hadn't have uh, had some commitments to writing books? Oh, well, yes, that's, I mean, the first one would have been South Africa. Um, the second one would have been Brazil. The third one would have been Chile. The fourth one, um, I, I've always loved, I always thought of going back to Colombia. I always thought Colombia would be a beautiful country to, to live in because it's a stunningly beautiful country. But I think uh, those are the three, yeah. When you can't travel physically anymore, how important are those memories that you've created as a younger man? Do you know, I think that I'm, they're more important to me. It's more important to me is, is others um, telling me about what they've read that I've done rather than me remembering the, the events themselves. I'm more in, invested in my writing than I am in my than, than in my adventure, if you like. I, um, I I like it. I like it very much when other people say, "Well, you know, we were reading about this and that and the other thing and so on." And that that's um, I find that marvelous that I've been able to implant things in somebody else's mind. Um, and uh, I, I, I scarcely ever think back to all that. Maybe I'm not old enough yet. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe you better come back when I'm really at the edge of <laughs> at the edge of the grave. I, um, I'm very involved in the things I do now. I don't don't spend much time looking back on on things. No. How would you like your life to be celebrated after you've ridden off into the sunset, metaphorically speaking? I would like to be thought of as somebody who made it easier for for people to um, see the world as theirs rather than uh, to be afraid of it and limited to the small areas that they that many of them live in. Um, a, a kind of, I would like to be remembered as somebody who who helped to free people from um, the, the invisible chains that seemed to have bound them to something less than their full potential. You're a writer and a journalist. Have you already written your own obit? No, I have not, and I hope nobody else has. <laughs> you know how these things work, though, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose somebody's written one. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I wish they'd publish it immediately. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to be able to say that the, 
reports of my death were greatly exaggerated, yes. And what would you like uh, on your epitaph? Uh, went there, did that. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't thought of a good, a good epitaph. Um, and I, I'm sure I had, had some funny ideas, but I can't remember what they were. <laughs> and finally, Ted, what message do you have for anybody listening who harbours dreams of exploring distant lands and horizons, but doesn't think themselves capable of such an undertaking? I, it's it's nonsense to think that you're not capable of undertaking what you want to do. Of course you can. Um, the difficulty, the the the, the, diffi- the only difficulty is to find something that's that's uh, that's challenging enough. It, it, these days, it's really. When it comes to travel, the, the 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 real problem today is that it's almost it's almost like being at home everywhere because you you've you've been already been drowned in in photographs of in in pictures online or wherever of almost everywhere on earth. You're in touch with everybody because of the internet. You can't get lost. You can't experience. Um, the, the you know what I experienced you can't um, do that, but people are ingenious and they'll find ways to uh, to do it. I mean, one of the one of the things to do is to is to find a part of the world that isn't particularly well explored and just go there and spend some time there. But uh, uh, there's absolutely no reason to fear doing it, and. Uh, y- 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 nobody should nobody should think that that they can't leave the nest it's um it's a perfectly natural thing to do and it's all 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 all, it's much harder to it it feels much more dangerous to contemplate doing things than to actually do them Uh, it's much um so all you have to do is overcome that first hurdle, and then after that, it just gets easier. The more you, the more, the further away you get from where you were, the easier it gets to go on doing it. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Well, on behalf of BMW Motorrad, we'd like to thank you for talking to us today and for inspiring so many riders to stop dreaming and start planning their own motorcycling adventures. Ted Simon, it's been a pleasure. Well, I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you for making me remember all this stuff.